Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Exodus 11 today, Exodus 11, um, it's a short chapter, 10 verses, and um, but there's a lot in these 10 verses when we really start to, to dig into it and to dig into some of the meanings about some of the things that's going on right now. Um, we've gone through the first nine plagues um, against uh, Egypt, and um, we're talking about the the death of the firstborn today. So um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into it. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that um, we have the opportunity to spend time in your word each and every single morning, Father, Lord. We don't take for granted that, you know, there are people on this planet who, who don't have that privilege, Father, who, who have to sneak to read your word, Father, but we can do it open and freely, Father. Um, without fear of, of retaliation, Lord God. So Father, we will we, we we take this responsibility seriously, Lord God, to, to dig into your word, to get closer to you, Lord God, Father, because it is your word, Father. Father, we thank you for this morning. Be with us, Father. Open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds to what you want to say to your children, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's give it a stretch. Exodus 11. And I am reading from the New King James Version. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the, the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all of the land of Egypt such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get a stretch. Let's get a sip if you got some, some of that coffee. So God is saying this is going to be the next plague to hit Egypt. I'm going to kill 
the firstborn. And what I found really significant about this particular plague is that all the previous plagues, um, you would have one, two, the most three plagues listed in a chapter in Exodus, right? So, you know, you had your first plague in Exodus 7, then you had the second and third, fourth plague in Exodus 8, the fifth, sixth, and seventh in Exodus 9, and then you had the eighth and ninth in Exodus 10, and here in 11, you know, and in those, those, those chapters, it was like, here's a plague, it's happening. But chapter 11, the plague hasn't happened yet. There's a whole chapter dedicated to God announcing, like, I'm about to do this. This is going to be the greatest of all the plagues. It's almost as if I feel God is was trying to give them time. Give the Egyptians one more time. Give Pharaoh one more time to listen, to heed, to do what you're supposed to do. Let my people go, right? God was making a very big, bold announcement. I am going to strike down everybody, all the firstborn, right? Here's your chance. Do the right thing. And Pharaoh still didn't do it. You know, verse uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse one, it says, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Now, back in Exodus four, um, verses 21 through 23, God told Moses that he would plague Egypt with the death of the firstborn. So he had already announced it. Like, I'm going to do this unless Pharaoh does the right thing. You know, in uh, Exodus 4, 22, it says, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, 23. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. God ain't playing. Okay. God is not playing. This is my firstborn. Israel is my, is my child. Let them go. If you do not let them go, I'm coming after your kids. That's crazy. That's bold. You know, that's, that's, a, some people would view that as very extreme. All right. But, but God, we don't serve a God who necessarily cares about how you feel about him. You know, like your feelings don't really matter. You know, God is going to do what God's going to do, you know, and if you defy him, especially when you know what God has commanded you to do, when you know that God is real, you know, us as believers, brothers and sisters, we have a higher responsibility than the, than the average person walking on the street who has no idea who God is, okay? You know, that, so, so we know the truth. We've been exposed to the truth. We serve the Lord. And if we still decide to not do the right thing, God is going to hold us uh, accountable to that. See, after this final plague, you know, Pharaoh wouldn't, it wasn't going to just allow Israel to leave. He was going to push them out. He was going to compel them to go, you know, like Pharaoh's like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do anything. Go, go get out of here. When it says in verse three, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Pharaoh was, was still not quite convinced, but the people of Egypt were willing to see the people of Israel leave immediately. They've already had their livestock and they've had the locusts and they've had the darkness and the blood and they've had all this stuff. Egyptians were done. Hands up. We give up. But Pharaoh still was not convinced. And it says they were they were going to be more than willing to give them gifts of silver and gold to persuade them 
to leave, you know, and they, they, these gifts of silver and gold, you know, it, it was, it was as if now Israel was getting, getting paid for the, all these hundreds of years of bondage and servitude. You know, it was like, okay, you're, here's your severance package, Israel. You know, you've been working and working and working. Go, get out. And matter of fact, here, take these articles of gold and silver, you know, and take them, get out of here. You know, and, and so they weren't going to leave Egypt empty handed. They weren't going to leave with just the, the, the clothes on their backs and, you know, and, and some of their livestock. They were going to go out, you know, very wealthy because Egypt was going to like, just get out of here. And it says, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. You know, so, so even though so Pharaoh's heart was not yet persuaded, all of Egypt, all of Egypt, including Pharaoh's servants, you know, and I can imagine his servants, you know, you all seen the movies, right? You have the, the kings, the pharaohs, they're, 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 they're in their, their, their throne and they're hanging out and you have even the, the servant who's just like with the fan. Just keeping them cool, right? You know, I can't imagine being that servant with a fan, right? He's 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 keeping Pharaoh cool, right? And and all this stuff's happening, and the, the, the servant's probably like, man, would you just let these people go? Come on, like what is I've had boils, I had lice because you're being stubborn. Let's let them go. Even the servants of Pharaoh were like, come on, do this. I, I'm believing in this guy, you know. I believe this God, there's something about this God, you know. And, and, and so they knew that the Lord God was greater than the gods of Egypt. And I'm going to show you here in a little bit how, how each of the plagues was a direct attack on the gods of Egypt to prove that our God, Yahweh, was superior to them all. And that Moses, this man Moses, the servant of God, was serving a great God who was above any other gods. In verse four, it says, then Moses said, Moses is going to start talking. As Moses stood before Pharaoh, for the first time, God led him to specifically say what would happen to the firstborn of Egypt. They shall die. They shall die. All of them. Because, because the Egyptians would not let God's firstborn, Israel, go. Therefore, it says, there shall be a great cry through all the land of Egypt. Moses is telling him, point blank, your firstborn children are going to die if you don't obey the Lord. And Pharaoh was still stubborn. How many of us have been given a word from the Lord? How many of us have had someone come to us and say, listen, I don't believe you're doing the right thing. The Bible says this. I believe God wants you to do that. And you completely defy that because your heart has been hardened. You're seeing the truth. The truth is in your face and you refuse to acknowledge it. That is what's happening to Pharaoh. We, even as believers, sometimes have the heart of Pharaoh, but we refuse to believe what God is doing because it may not, may not line up with where we think our lives need to go. It may not line up with what we think we need to do because don't we know that we're better? We know better than God, right? You know, don't, am I the only one who sometimes feel like, you know, come on, come on, you know, and, and God has to tell us, listen, listen, homeboy, 
if you homegirl, if you don't get it together, there's going to be consequences and repercussions. Moses is telling Pharaoh, if you do not obey the Lord, there are going to be consequences and repercussions. Oh, yeah. And by the way, this is going to be the consequence and the repercussion. You're going to lose your firstborn. It says, verse 5, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill. To sit behind the handmill is to do, to, to do the work of the lowliest woman slave. So even Egyptian slaves would be subject to this horrible plague. You know, it's not, wasn't just going to be Pharaoh. It wasn't just going to be the, the rich. Even the lowliest, even the livestock of uh, whatever livestock was left after the plagues of Egypt were going to be subject to this plague. But it says in verse 7, against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue. Despite this great horror that was going to come, God would grant the, the Egyptians the ability to see the situation for what it really was. The situation was the fault of Pharaoh. Even though they were going to they were gonna, uh, uh, have the consequences of, of this decision, but ultimately they're going to know Pharaoh brought this upon us. It wasn't the fault of Moses. It wasn't the fault of the children of Israel. It was their, their king, you know, their, 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 their deity in human form because they worshiped Pharaoh. It was his fault, you know, and, and this is even worse news to, to, to Pharaoh, you know, because a, a politician, right? A politician doesn't, you know, mind if bad things happen, if they can put the blame on somebody else. Right. If they're able to spin it to say like, well, this happened, but it only happened because so and so did such and such and blah, blah, blah. My hands are clean, you know, but here God promised that Pharaoh himself would be the one to, to, with the blame. Pharaoh himself would shoulder the shame of the death of all the firstborn of his kingdom, you know, and and it's just going to be very unprecedented because um while all this stuff is happening within the Egyptian people, where the Israelites live, there's going to be peace, right? And it says, um, a dog shall not move its tongue. In other words, it was going to be so peaceful, there was going to be no need for even a dog to bark within the children of Israel. Because they're not going to have the calamity of, of people pass, uh, 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 dying in front of them. They're going to be at peace. It says that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Perhaps some, you know, including Pharaoh himself, found, found that they were, they were saying to themselves, well, the Egyptians have gods and the Israel's, Israelites have a God. You know, what's the difference between the God? But in his overwhelming, overwhelming demonstration of power over the deities of Egypt, God showed that there was a difference. There was a difference between him and these lesser known deities that the Egyptians worship. There's a difference between those who are his people and those who are not. There is an eternal distinction between those who will remain and those who will be blotted out. What side of, the, uh, uh, of this do you fall under? Are you a believer in God? Or are you a believer in the, in the other deities that we worship? Because there are, there, there, there are millions of deities out there that we worship, from television, movies, addictions, you know, even, even our cars sometimes are a deity that we worship, that we put before God. Anything that we put before God is a lesser known God to us. And we've all been subject 
to worshiping lesser known gods. And that doesn't mean that we, you know, we, we, we bow down to our cars, okay? But if we're putting more time, if anything, if anything, if anything, if anything, if anything comes before you and your time with God, you and your relationship with God, that is a deity. That is a false God that we're worshiping. And we sometimes lose sight, even today, of who God is. But here we're seeing that God, he's making a distinction between who he is and who the Egyptians worship. He is the true God. And they're going to find out. And we're, and we're reading in the word that even the Egyptians, the servants, like, like they're starting to believe in who this other God is. All these servants shall come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out and all the people who follow you. Verse eight, Moses' final words to Pharaoh told him that he and the rest of the Egyptians would command the children of Israel to go, command them to go. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh is still very, very stubborn in this. It says in verse 10, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now this is the fourth time that we are told that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. We read about it in Exodus 9, 12, 10, 20, 10, 27, and, and finally in 11, 10, where um, it says God hardened his heart. Yet God never hardened Pharaoh's heart until Pharaoh had first hardened it against the Lord and his people. Because it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened in Exodus 7, 13, 7, 22, 815, 819, 832, and chapter 9, verse 7. So Pharaoh already made his decision. He was his heart was already hardened to whatever the was what the Lord was saying. So the Lord's like, okay, you want to have a hardened heart? Fine, you have a hardened heart. You do, you boo-boo. You don't want to listen, you want to be stubborn, you know? And don't we often come to church the same way? Where we come to church and we, we want something to happen. We expect something to happen a certain way, or we're not even open to what the Lord wants to do in our life. We're not open to, to the experience that, you know, God wants to give us when we walk through the doors of the church, the way he wants to speak to us, the things that, that he wants to reveal to us, but we're not open to it. We're only coming to church out of obligation. So we could check a box off, you know, for our, our weekly uh, attendance. So we are not open to what the Lord is saying. Our hearts are already hardened. And so then God is saying, if your heart is going to be hardened, fine, fine. Then what I have for you, you're not going to receive. And then you're going to be questioning. And then you're going to get upset. And you're going to be blaming God for all your woes. But we cannot go. There, there's a healthy expectation to, to, for, the, uh, for what we want to receive from the Lord. There's a very unhealthy expectation because God's going to do what, we, what, what he wants to do. He wants to reveal what he's going to reveal. But we cannot go into it saying, God better do X, Y, and Z or else I'm not going to believe it because that's unhealthy. You're trying to put conditions on God. And I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been guilty of putting conditions on God. God, if you don't, then I'm not going to. And God doesn't really respond too well to that. God is not going to listen to that. He doesn't need to listen to that because he's God. 
He was God before we were alive to call him God. But he wants to reveal things to you. He wants to have miracles, signs, and wonders in your life. However, we cannot come to God with our fists, our fists clenched saying, God, do this the way I want you to do it. Or God, don't make that move. Don't do this because I'm content with where I'm at. God was trying to shake up Egypt. Because ultimately, what God does is to bring him glory, to bring him honor. You know, and there were Egyptians who went, when, when Israel finally left Egypt, there were Egyptians who went with them because they saw enough to believe that this God of the children of Israel, this Yahweh that they worship, there's something about this guy. He put all our gods to shame. I'm going to follow him. The Lord's name will be glorified, brothers and sisters. And even those who are who, who, who we do not expect to come to the saving knowledge of God will come to a knowledge of him. Those people that we think in our lives that there's no way we will ever see them grace the halls of any one of our fusion church locations or any church period, they're going to come through the door. Those unexpected ones. And we have to be ready, but we will only be waiting to uh, uh, ready to accept them when our heart is right. Because the children of Israel, you know, whatever Egyptians came with them, they could have looked down upon them. They could have said, you know, no, you can't come with us. But Israel was seeing God, the promises that God had made to their forefathers. They were seeing it come to fruition. So they were able to say, yes, this is our God. This is Yahweh. Verse 9, it says, Pharaoh will not heed you. If nine plagues had come from the hand of God, one might expect that the warning about a tenth plague would be believed. Come on. Nine plagues. Nine plagues. And I'm going to show you here in a second the significance of each of those plagues and why they, why they were, were, were so important, why God did it the way he did it, and how the Egyptians would have taken it. But Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. He didn't care. He was stubborn. And God, you know, God, God, God allowed his heart to be hardened, you know, because God, God's going to try. God's going to try to reach us. God's going to try to get our attention. But if we're closed off to anything the Lord wants to do in our life, you know, there's a saying that God's a gentleman. God's never going to force himself upon us. He's never going to force you to believe in him. But he's going to give you every opportunity to believe in him. Come on, brothers. This is, that's a promise for us that we can, that we, we can rely on. It says, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. See, the nine plagues can be seen as a whole. They touched every phase of, of nature. They touched minerals, animals, vegetables, even humans were affected by these nine plagues. They affected persons and property. You know, everyone was affected by these plagues from the highest to the lowest. God was not just trying to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was also trying to set an example of the Egyptians. He was because at this point, Egypt was the greatest nation in the entire known world. 
right? The greatest, biggest, most powerful nation. No one can mess with Egypt. Nobody. But here comes these slaves. And by their view, by the Egyptians' view, these slaves and this random little God that they worship. But this random little God, who is the God of all gods, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was like, okay, that's what you think. I'm here to make an example of you. I'm here to show you who I am. So let's go. Beginning of the plagues. Verse, the first plague, water turned to blood. This went against the God of the Nile, Happy, or Hoppy, however you want to pronounce it, right? Because this God of the Nile, the Nile was turned to blood, which means this God of the Nile, he don't have control of what he's the God of, right? And people worshiped him. Kehet, the goddess of fertility, water renewal. That, that went, went with the plagues of the frogs of the Nile. Right, this goddess Kahet couldn't control the frogs in the Nile. Geb, the god of earth, when the, the the plague of lice came, came from the earth. This god of the earth couldn't control its own realm, couldn't stop the plague the, the, the plague of lice from coming. Kephi, it's the god of creation, movement of the sun, rebirth, the swarms of flies. This god couldn't control the flies. Hathor, the goddess of love and protection, you know, that went, that was the death of the cattle and the livestock. The, the plague of boils and sores went directly against the god Isis, or the goddess Isis, which is the goddess of medicine, the goddess of peace. Isis couldn't stop the plagues. Isis couldn't, couldn't stop God from doing what, what he wanted to do. The plague of hail was Nut, the goddess of the sky. The goddess Nut, she couldn't stop hail from coming from, from her realm, the sky. She couldn't do anything about that. Seth, the goddess of storms and disorder, when the locusts came and caused just chaos in the land of Egypt and all the everything was, was destroyed and eaten. Seth couldn't stop Yahweh. Finally, well, not finally, but the last of the nine plagues, Ra. Ra, the sun god, the greatest of their gods, right? The king of their gods, the sun god, could not stop darkness for three days in the land of Egypt. And I bet the Egyptians sacrificed. I bet the Egyptians prayed for, for light to come back, for the sun to come back out. But Ra couldn't stop it. Where was Ra when this was happening? And finally, the death of the firstborn went directly against Pharaoh himself because Pharaohs were worshiped as God. Pharaohs were, were the God's representation on the earth and the people worshiped Pharaoh. And so he was the ultimate power in Egypt and the ultimate power in Egypt, the man God, Pharaoh, could not stop his own firstborn from being killed. Where's the power of Egypt? Where's the power of the Egyptian gods? I tell you where it is. It doesn't exist. It never existed because they were worshiping false gods. 
And our God, Yahweh, was able to come and completely decimate their entire belief system. I don't know how, what, what the time frame is from when the, 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 the plagues began to when um, Israel left Egypt. I'm sure I could do some more research and find out that, exactly how, how long it was, but it wasn't that long of a time. I imagine it was a pretty quick turnaround, maybe a couple of weeks, a month or two. But this belief system and these false gods that Egypt had had for hundreds and hundreds of years decimated. All their multiple gods taken down to the knee by one true God. Brothers and sisters, whatever you're worshiping, whatever you're putting your faith in, Whatever little G, false deity, God that you that that you have put as a priority in your life, God is here to tell you that he will take that God and put him to the knee. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything in your life that you put above God, he will decimate and he will prove that he is greater than all of that. And I'm not saying anyone here worships, you know, no, no, we're not bowing down to our, 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 our big 70-inch TV, you know, even though some of us do when the, you know, the, the, the Eagles aren't playing that well. I might, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you're losing. But God will take whatever you have that you have put before him and he has an ability to make it nothing. Your job, that may be the greatest job in the world, making all kinds of money. But if you put that before God, God can make you lose that job to get your attention. I believe all this was done to get not just the Egyptians' attention, but also to get the Israelites' attention. To prove to them, I am the God of your forefathers. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I made a promise to them. Here I am to fulfill that promise. Are you going to believe me? Because I bet there were even some Israelites in the beginning who did not believe. I talked about that briefly last week. They weren't too sure because they've already spent so much time in bondage. Some of them have probably began worshiping the gods of Egypt. Because if our God of our, of our forefathers has allowed us to come into bondage into Egypt, you know, then maybe he's not the real God. I'm a worship. Seth, or I'm going to worship happy or whoever, or whatever other God. And so a lot of them probably didn't believe, but as things were starting to happen, their hearts were changed. Like, no, our God is real. Our God is, he will protect us. Our God will save us. Brothers and sisters, God is real. He will save you. He will protect you. We just need to worship him. Praise his name for who he is. We serve a powerful God, brothers and sisters. Let's never lose sight. Let's never take for granted. Let's never forget who he is. It's real easy in our Americanized life where, you know, we have everything at the push of a button. Things are so good, right? None of us here have had to have life or death situations where it was either you, you know, either you denounce God or you're dead. We don't live in those circumstances. We don't live in these other countries. We don't live in a Muslim country where if you worship anything but their God, you're dead. So we, we, we tend to forget how powerful our God is. We become like the children of Israel. 
where we forget who God is. But God is real. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of these 10 plagues is the same God that we worship today. This last plague, the plague of the firstborn, is so significant. Like I said, the, uh, the beginning plagues, you would have one, two, three plagues listed in one chapter. This is one where there's one whole chapter just dedicated to announcing, I'm about to do this. There's still time. There's still time to repent. Brothers and sisters, if you're not serving the Lord faithfully right now, he's telling you there's still time to repent. Chapter 11 is coming to a close, but tomorrow is chapter 12. And if you do not repent today, your chapter 12 will begin and you may not like the circumstances. However, if you repent, if you come home, if you submit to me, you'll be on the side of the children of Israel where there's going to be peace, where there can be storms around you. You can see the effects of things happening around you, but in your world, there's peace because God is at the center of it. And God is walking you through it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. And we just thank you for your word, Lord God. Thank you that you give us every opportunity, every opportunity to come home to you, Father. I pray that no one on this call, no one listening later on the podcast, no one ever will take for granted that, Lord God. And that the, the first sign that you were trying to do something in our lives, Father, we will open up our eyes and we will follow you with everything in our being. So, Father, we just praise you, Lord. We thank you that we can dig into your word and we can just remember these truths, Father. Be with us, Lord, as we as we go about our week, Father. Bless every home that's represented here um, on this call and listening in on the podcast, Father. We just thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Father. Continue to reveal new things to us. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, this was a good one. Come on, come on. I will see you again next week. God bless.